And that's when I realised it wasn't chocolate. Mate, what? It's recording. Oh, mate, just press play, just press play. Welcome to Explore the Podcast, where we chat faith, life and adventure. Welcome to Explore the Podcast. It's great to have you with us. In a short while, we're going to be chatting to Esther Swaffield-Bray, who is the UK director of a global organisation called IGM. It's a great chat, and we encourage you to stick around to listen to it. But before that, guys, I need your help. Like, I am on a mission to relocate some fish. What can I do? What? Yeah. (laughs) I have some fish that need a new home. What? (laughs) Just put them in the sea. No, they're not sea fish. They will die. They will die. Have you rang the local takeaway? (laughs) You won't get much for their time. Do you eat fish? (laughs) How many fish do you have? There's five. Oh, I can have three and you can have two. Yeah. A little scampi. Tasty. They've got names and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Well, why do you need to get rid of them? Uh, I'm moving house and the new house is just not with no place for this. For them really so yeah they need relocating and they are quite specific they are like they're tropical fish so they need they just can't be thrown into the sea so <laughs> how, like how, how do you look after them do you send them for a walk <laughs> yeah i've got like little leads for them no, no literally no they literally just have to feed them that's all they have to do like are you offering you can, say, mean, yeah. like, you, can, you can take the whole tank and everything if you really want i it wouldn't be a good idea for me to look after the fish again again it didn't end well <laughs> You're going to elaborate? You're yeah, going to tell us? Or... Like, no, I, when I was younger, um, we, we had fish, and I think it was like that, that classic test that parents do mm-hmm. when they're like, should we get a pet or shouldn't we? And um, yeah, I mean, we, we went away for like two weeks and we left something that was meant to, they were meant to eat for like, you know, the ones that dissolved. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, yeah, they didn't make it. Also, we were told that they overate. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be rather rubber, but I just don't feel confident looking after fish. To be fair, I'm kind of with you without. Like I say, we've got five fish. I started with maybe forty. <laughs> we've gone down to forty. Yeah, yeah. We did like forty. We, I think we just we thought that looking How after the fish. <laughs> what if forty like little? You know, like you can get those little tiny like texture like literally <laughs> fish. Like yeah, the tag's not massive. They're all tiny fish, but we. I think we just overestimated how difficult I'll be honest if I were you then I wouldn't try and rehouse them just just wait a little bit longer (laughs) (laughs) well that's that's what we have been doing we have been waiting it out but these ones are just like hardcore they are survivors like and so that's horrible genuinely horrible we did deliberately kill them (laughs) (laughs) oh I'm sorry for anyone out there who listens who are fish owners if you you are a fish owner you've got some advice yeah please let me know do send it in Um, justice for the fish (laughs) (laughs) hashtag justice for the fish indeed anyway just fish is that does that work just Just fish Yeah, right. Well, let's <laughs> let's just stop this ridiculous conversation and move on to our conversation with Esther. Ah, uh, brilliant! We're here with the amazing UK director of IJM and a speaker, and just all around really lovely person, Esther Swaffield. Thanks for joining us, Esther. Thanks so much for having me. Hi. Uh, it's brilliant to have you have you with us, and we're going to have a little bit of a. A chat soon but we wanted to open up with like a really like some serious questions to be honest just get to the get to the point straight away um and we're going to play a bit of a game 
And what we right. what eat out the punchline of a joke, and you then have to guess what the joke might be. <laughs> okay. For example, I think you should get this one. These guys didn't actually get this one earlier, but I think you should get this one straight away. Nacho cheese. Ooh, um, what is a what is a Mexican's favorite cheese? No, nacho <laughs> cheese. Is that right? Did I get it right? No, you got no. It. you said it right, but like the, it's it's uh. not like uh, it's it's um what if a cheese isn't yours? Like what do you call a cheese that isn't uh. yours? Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Nacho. I was close. I was in the cheese arena, obviously. It wasn't bad. I, I mean, know. I mean, getting the cheese bit right was was. was <laughs> <laughs> but delivery is like nine tenths of a of a joke. To be fair, and you, that you nail that. Yeah. So much. All confidence, no substance. There we go. <laughs> so the one the one that I'm doing is the answer is because that's the noise chickens make. What? <laughs> What's the question? What's the question? Because that's the. I haven't I, a clue. I, I wouldn't get this one. Go on, give us your best guess. It's, it's not a, like something crossing the road. Like, no. It's not a, no. I haven't got a Scooby clue. <laughs> Do you want me to tell you? Yeah, please. Why did the chicken leave the library saying, book, book, book? That's the noise chickens make. <laughs> See, it makes so much more sense once you know. That's I, terrible. Yeah, I just think that's, that's the kind of joke that you'd, you'd sort of like look at someone quite fiercely and walk off after. Yeah, yeah I love that joke. <laughs> there you are. Um, okay, so the punchline for mine is sneakers. Oh, um, what what does a robber wear on his feet? I'll give you that. I'll give you that. It was ninja, not robber, but that's oh, not right. so close. <laughs> Come on, that's not bad. That was good. And 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 the last one is um, Christian Bale. Oh, come on. Um, something to do with cricket. No. Because there's like a bale on a cricket. No? I mean, one of the lines like using the name a little bit, but Not quite far away at the same time. Go on, put me out of my misery. Uh, what's it called when Batman sneaks out of church? <laughs> That's really good. I'll use that. <laughs> you welcome to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, <laughs> thanks so much for, for joining us. Uh, we Pleasure. A little bit about, about yourself um, and like your journey um, for us. Mm, sure. Um, well, thanks so much for having me on. It's such a joy to come and chat. Um, so, yeah, as you said, my name's Esther. Um, I live in the beautiful city of Durham, which is in the, in the northeast uh, of England. Uh, married to Tom, who's from St. Helens. Way. So feel at once like I'm amongst family. Um, and yeah, I uh, am part of a team who helps lead a movement called IJM, International Association. I'll share a little bit more about that. But we work around the world um, helping to bring people trapped in cases of violence, um, oppression, modern day slavery into freedom. Um, and here in, in Durham, um, I, yeah, part of a local church. Um, I have a small dog called Asher. Um, and really enjoy this, this journey of trying to work out how we connect the local and the global, how we love people wherever they live, and to do that in a joyful manner. So yeah, it's a bit about me. <laughs> Amazing. So you talked a little bit about IJ, IJM, and we've, we've obviously mentioned it before. We just, like, obviously there's, there's tons that this incredible organisation does, um, mm. and we write and think it's like the biggest anti-slavery organisation in the world. 
is yeah. incredible. Um, yeah, just tell us a little bit more about, about IJM and the work that you do. Sure, sure. So IJM stands for yeah, International Justice Mission. Um, if you want to check us out, it's IJMUK.org or on social media, IJMUK. And yeah, you're spot on. We are the world's largest anti-slavery organisation. So we work around the world, on the ground, in the trenches, uh, to find and rescue people that are trapped in cases of, of one-day slavery, of human trafficking, and actually a number of, of forms of violent oppression. So wherever it is that, that power balance is off, whether it is a girl that is meant to be in school that is trafficked into a brothel, whether it is the family held in a sweatshop, baking our clothes when they should be free. Uh, what we do is we work with local government to, to bring them into freedom. Uh, we then help them to heal. So to actually go from being physically free to free in all of the ways to, to thrive, to heal, to be restored. And then we work actually on the other end of the too. So we work to stop perpetrators and criminals and traffickers actually doing it and to hold them to account to say, hey, you know, this is against the law, this has to stop. You cannot harm others. Um, and then we work right up with governments to look at where are the gaps in the system and so on. Um, so we're quite a crunchy, quite a hardcore organisation. We're not a fluffy um, organisation. We're right in there. We're interrupting criminal activity. We're breaking down global rings of, of oppression. Um, we're, we're getting to the, the heart of the problem. It's, it's dangerous, difficult work. But by the grace of God, we've um, yeah, seen over 60,000 people set free. In the last um, few years, actually just last year, we had our biggest year of rescues, even when the world was in lockdown. And um, it's really exciting stuff seeing whole nations change as well as individuals. Mm. I think one of the things that we were talking about before is the idea that, um, like, as I was growing up, it was it was almost like this conversation around um, whether slavery still existed. Yeah, yeah. And people kind of buying into the belief that, that it didn't, when clearly mm. it really does. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, did you learn about slavery in your history lessons at school? Yeah. Like the abolition of slavery? Yeah, so I did, right? That was the first time that I even heard or kind of wrestled with the issue of slavery was in history. And you see those pictures of like black and white ships. And, and it's quite like, you'll, you'll know the image I mean. And to be honest, if when you hear the word slavery, the picture that comes into your mind is in black and white, you need to fast update that. Um, because sadly, it is in full colour and it is alive and well today. And we're in the mad situation where we've got more people living in slavery today than there have ever been at any point in history before. Um, you're somewhere around the 40 million mark, which um, that's about the population of Canada. Um, wow. That's a lot of people. And, um, and yes, although we um, you know, read about and hear about the, the transatlantic slave trade and the abolition of that, um, there is still a lot more work to be done. Slavery has not ended. It's just changed. It's just adapted. Mm. Um, and yeah, that, that's why it, this matters so much. And particularly in this season, actually, post kind of lockdowns and COVID, we see huge spikes in, in this. So now's actually a really good time to be having this conversation as we mm. come out of lockdown and, and press a little bit of a like reset button. What kind of people do we want to be? What sort of society do we want to shape? Um, to put these values of freedom and justice right in the centre, that was a great time to be thinking about that. I think it's, it's really interesting what you're saying, like, it's a great time to think about it, because mm. I think a lot of our behaviours have changed um, yeah. in time. And, and I know that for, for different people, um, they've, they've decided to, to walk to the shops instead of get the bus, mm. for example, or all those things. But is there a responsibility for us to do something, even though it might not immediately affect us in the same way? 
Mm. Oh gosh, that's such a great question. And there's a, there's a phrase that you guys might have heard that's been like knocking around my head over the last few months, which um, says we've all been in the same storm, but we've not necessarily been in the same boat. Yeah. And um, we've all been in the same storm, we've not necessarily been in the same boat. And I, I know that's true in my own life, right? If I see my own disruption through lockdowns and so on, I look at the difference between um, family and friends and people in my community who have things you know, in a lot more of a, of a trick way, if I'm honest. And, and then we look around our global neighbours. You only have to have a look at the, the map of the global predictions of the vaccine rollout to see this massive inequality around the world. And so, yes, as we're coming out of lockdown, I guess we've got an opportunity, really, to think about what is the kind of world that we want to see on the other side of the pandemic? You know, are we going to be a society that just hunkers down and looks after us and ourselves, or actually, are we going to be people that open up and say, okay, mm. how can we actually affect change on a scale that goes beyond me and myself and my own? And um, I think that's really important in this kind of pause moment that we actually take stock and say, what kind of future do we want to build? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really good as well, because I think sometimes we think of um, all of these changes not really like being about us. And I think that that's where it begins, isn't it? And I think we forget that. Like for me, I um, I remember thinking to myself, yeah, I really want to make a difference with the planet and things like that. What, yeah. Where should I start? Your petitions, should I start? And they're all good things. But actually, I need to start my own life. I think change starts with, with us, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, those small things, maybe. Yeah, yeah, massively. And, and recognising that we're all connected. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. once said, before you finish breakfast, you relied on half of the world. And how spot on is that? I mean, right now, as I'm talking to you, I'm sitting on a sofa that was made in Sweden. You know, I had lunch from, you know, I had an orange that was probably from Spain. I, you know, we, I'm talking to you on a laptop where the, the, the parts are made in Africa, right? We are globally connected, whether we like it or not, through what we buy, what we eat, what we wear, what we watch, um, what we consume. Mm. And so, therefore, that question about how do I use my global connections for good is, is really, really important. And you're right. Sometimes it's the little things that we could do to just start uh, making a difference. That there's a great place to great place to start. Um, I don't like you guys. I sometimes think like unless I can sort the whole problem out, you know, there's no point. And yet there are little things we can do yeah. and steps we can take to be the beginning journey, right? No, absolutely. And I, and I love I love on the yeah. Am I right in saying that the RJ, RJM has um. Or draws on the verse from Isaiah one seventeen that just says, mm-hmm. "Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow." Mm-hmm. And it's like we, we've got to learn to yeah, do it's good. this. Like we, we've got to we've got to understand the, the problems first, and then then we can kind of make a difference. Like it, it doesn't just happen. We don't know the answers. We don't know what we need to go out and learn about it. Yes. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And hey, learning doesn't happen overnight, does it? No, exactly, exactly. That's good. And I, one, one, of the, one of the streams that um, I've, I've been working on for Explore is, is something called How to Change the World, mm. which is quite a big, <laughs> big vision. Um, it's quite a big thing. Um, and I'm, I'm looking at different people who have, have done things that are amazing um, and, and how we can encourage people to change the world. Mm. Um, which is a, a nuts, nuts goal, but is, is amazing. Um, and like, 
what, why does it why does it matter for you to make a difference? Like what what's mm. what's why is it important to change the world? It's a great question. Why is it important to make a difference? I guess um, I'd be interested to say your thoughts. Um, I I guess for me, there's a sense of um, wanting to leave this planet in a better place than when I arrived on it. And um, my faith as a Christian um, propels me to to explore that means in terms of loving the people around me. We've mentioned global connections. When I say people around me, I mean people around me on planet Earth, right? And um, so for me, the question how could we do as much good as we can in the time that we've got and the talents and the things that, the gifts that we're given, how can we do as much good as possible? How can we love people as well as we can? Sometimes that might look like the big grand gestures and what you do with your career and those big life decisions. Sometimes it's about loving person right in front of you and um how can we do as much good and love people as well as possible in the time that we've got and um yeah that's that's my own question to myself on the daily um and is that how you came to then kind of end up at IJM is that is that sort of part of that journey just like living that out because I think I think what you're talking about really is like your purpose effectively as a person and it's changed because of your faith is that is that fair yeah, 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 you're spot on. I mean, I, I came to IJM um, through a roundabout way. I was um, teaching for a few years and, um, and and more and more began to have this sense of just questioning, like, what what can I do that might make a difference to some of these big global issues? And um, I think I could have been asking those same questions about anything. It happened to me that I um, have been really passionate about issues of human trafficking and slavery. I think I could have been asking those same questions about climate change, about food quality. Um, around kids in the care system. I think I could have been asking that same question around a number of things. And you listening, you'll have all sorts of issues that you feel passionate about. That when you read about, your heart beats faster and you think, oh my goodness, like that's wrong. That was me with one, reading stories about modern slavery and human trafficking to the point where I couldn't ignore it. And I thought, am I either going to have to like just switch off and stop caring about this? I'm going to have to do something. Um, which is when I, um, yeah. Had my notice in at work and uh, started started asking other questions. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. You um well, I heard you so speak in a different interview about like the power of stories and actually mm-hmm. it's so important to like see past the statistics, to see past the numbers. I know you mentioned that last year, I think it was at sixty thousand something were rescued, but they were individual people and there's yeah. power in stories. And I'd love to have you got any stories that like from recently or even like just things of rescue people who've been rescued through the work of IGM. Yeah, oh yeah, a hundred percent. And you're right, you know. 40 million is massive, but that's yeah. 40 million individual people caught in yeah. slavery. And for every statistic, there's a story. For every number, there's a name. And, um, oh gosh, which, which to tell? I'm really fortunate in that I, uh, yeah, managed to, to touch base with incredible stories almost every day. But the story of one young woman, actually, who I come back to often when I'm having those days of like, what am I doing? Um, and that is of a young woman called Joy. And she's remarkable. She is sharply intelligent you know one of those people when she um kind of cracks a joke like got really dry sense of humor cracks a joke and everybody's in stitches and she's in her early 20s um she lives in the philippines and um she 
she grew up um, in the Philippines with um, in the capital city there um, with a number of siblings. And she was 12 years old when she was sold into slavery. And she was um, basically tricked by her aunt. And then she was sold and abused both in person, but then online. So um, her abuse was live streamed across the world um, for paying customers, including those in the UK. And that continued for seven years from the age of 12 to 19. So the entirety of her teenage years. And she describes that period of time of, of being treated like a dog, which I don't know if you can imagine that being that's how we describe your childhood. Um, but a few years ago, um, our teams worked with police actually here in the UK to use the online data to pinpoint the exact location where she was being held. We able to invade the house where she was and bring her out into freedom. And what we actually discovered, there were dozens of other children as well that we were able to, to rescue. And um, now fast forward a few years on, and um, she is just the most remarkable young woman. She actually came with me to speak at a conference a few years ago called uh, New Wine, um, if you've heard of it. And she stood on the main stage of this giant tent, this giant venue, and she told what it's probably the most vulnerable story I've ever heard anybody tell in public. Mm-hmm. She told about how she was no longer a victim, but she was a survivor. About how this was not going to define her because she had a passion. And her passion was to help other girls to not go through what she'd been through. And, um, she uh, she's won a scholarship to university. And she's training to be a social worker in order to actually use her future career to help other young women. And um, she's just an example to me, of what resilience looks like, of what strength looks like, of what courage looks like. Um, Plus, she is just full of joy, as her name suggests. And um, people like her are the reason why this matters to me, Mm. if I'm honest. So, yeah, sorry, that's a long answer to your your question. No, it's joy. No, I love it. And I think hearing these stories and say it just, again, it reminds us that it's people, not numbers. Yeah. And also it reminds us that it's also like the one, like it can be so easy to get so overwhelmed by the massive needs like out there. And where do I start in that? Like, in, I know for me, I see lots of need around, you know, like, what, where do I start? Where do I begin? And I know there's that story about the starfish like mm. obviously like what's throwing one one starfish in thought at times is saving the one like have you got any like yeah for someone listening to this thinking ah like where do I begin <laughs> have you got any advice or where you would like suggestions of what to get involved yeah in? yeah and you know what before you launch into advice the cool thing about Joy's story she is she is just one person and yet her story is part of a much bigger picture yeah. of her nation that is changing and it may start with a rescue, but actually what that's leading to is transformation of a nation. And, um, you know, her, her aunt was, was brought to justice. And a few years ago, there were no cases like hers ever brought uh, into the courts or people arrested. And we just celebrated the hundredth um, yeah. criminal like her being stopped in that area. And that's cool because it's like one rescue story, but an entire system is beginning to change. And um, so, yeah. Starts with a little, but can lead to massive impact. Um, but where um, to start? Oh, sorry. I was, I was, I'm still wrestling with this idea that <laughs> this story begins with yeah. her aunt. Her aunt, like someone she would assume yeah. she could trust. Mm. Like I, I know I would assume I have a lot of my, of my family. Mm. And then um, 
yeah, just I'm just trying, I'm just trying to work that out in my head. Like you know, we mm-hmm. we go on a, a a journey, you know, all of us, and we need people around us that we can we can trust and that, that yeah. love us. Um, yeah, I like, yeah. <laughs> How do you wrestle with that with people yeah. and like, yeah, even, even just the imagery that um, the Bible gives us of like family and that that God is Father and stuff yeah. like that. And actually, you know, could be Father. That's the biggest mm. biggest problem in all of this. Mm. Yeah, and the reality for her is that home wasn't a safe space for her. Yeah, and and that might be something that we've experienced in our own lives. Um, that might be something that's going on all, all over the world. That's something certainly we've seen during lockdown, that home wasn't a safe space for her. Mm. And yet that is where we as people who are passionate about seeing freedom and justice come mm. can can be in there and helping bring her to safety. Actually actually helping her re-understand the, the beauty of family that is, mm. that is safe, um, even if her biological family at that point through her aunt wasn't and um that's the image actually that we we get isn't it as as christians that family is is beyond biology that is beyond necessarily just the people immediately close to us that family extends way beyond that and um and yeah you're right it's super challenging it's super challenging to get your head around and it's really really hard Mm. um and yet we see healing and transformation too what well, um so just as you were kind of talking about like you like even your role and the role of of, of IGM and, and things like that like to what extent is persistence one of the key parts of like leadership for you like I think it's quite probably quite overlooked maybe in in yeah. other areas I guess but like yeah how how much is that necessary if you want to be a world changer how much persistence mm. do you really need <laughs> it's a great question persistence is is got to be right top there hasn't it um in terms of we're talking well in this context we're talking about giant global issues that will take decades and decades um to shift so um for me persistence is a massive um a massive one but persistence grows over time like 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 a muscle right i i think it's quite hard to um just say i'm going to be persistent and then keep going um, but there are tools that we can develop to help us be persistent right mm-hmm. so just like when you go to the gym um, i don't know if any of you are gymmers um like <laughs> I, I a while ago tried to work out if i could do a pull-up i cannot do a pull-up okay a chin up but if i was to keep going you know day after day and keep trying right each time doesn't necessarily look like you're making great progress but your muscles are tearing and repairing and strengthening deep under the surface I think it's a little bit like that sometimes with with these sorts of things is that you keep going and you, you can't necessarily see big change overnight, but you're strengthening deep under the surface um, so that eventually you will be able to do that pull up and eventually you will see those rescues happen and eventually you will see the system change. And um, I think sometimes it's a little bit like that. Um, combine that with community. Um, you know, I'm part of a big global movement at IJM. Um, I'm not a, a one a one person band by any means. I'm a little little part of a big community, and community is a, a key one for persistence. Mm. Um, I think I think as well like what you were saying as well like the the story of joy. You said what 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 do I do when I when I don't really know what I'm doing? 
and you said, oh, I remember this story. And, and I think it's things like that where the numbers, the numbers, like you, you, you don't really remember, or you do remember because it's a shocking number, but 60,000 people, mm-hmm. but you remember joy. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that's, that's the thing. And I think it comes back to what the diverse earlier, as I mentioned, it's about learning the individual mm-hmm. stories. We can know numbers, we can know facts, but individual stories are what will keep us going. And they spur us on, they keep, like, for the next story, like, mm-hmm. the next one. Yeah. For, for sure. And I mean, just to circle back, Kirsty, to what you were saying in terms of where do we start, actually getting to know the stories of the names um, is a great place to start. And um, yeah, like I said, if you check out IJM UK on social media or um, if you're having a YouTube binge, check out IJM UK on YouTube. And there's full of videos of stories of real life people who help bring this, you know, out of the abstract and into the real life. And when you can start to get to know names and faces and, and so on. And that's when you begin to engage your heart. And that's where action flows, not just because, oh, it's a tick box exercise, but because, you know what, this is part of who I am. Um, I'm going to be somebody that is passionate about justice, is passionate about freedom, is going to leave this world in a better place than I found it, whether that is on my street or in my nation or in, you know, the continent of Europe and further afield, you know. That's yeah. that's where it starts. So yeah, but encourage you get to know the people. What what role would you say that you're? So you're clearly really passionate about justice, and justice is is not just a Christian thing. But what would you say your motivation for justice is? Motivation for justice. Wow. Um, I guess probably like lots of you listening, I've always had like a bit of an innate sense of justice, of wanting to see wrong things made right. And when that was at school and there's someone being picked on, you think, hang on a minute, I'm not going to stand for that. Um, or whether it was, a, you know, silly one when you're getting hand-me-downs from your siblings and you're like, right, let's chat about that. Um, <laughs> it might happen too. <laughs> I joke, I joke, I'm very fortunate. <laughs> um, you know, right up until you're watching something on the news and you find yourself, like, not able to just change the channel. Because you're like, there is something going on in the world that's not right. And I'm sure lots and lots of you have those same feelings. Whether it is things like modern slavery, human trafficking, the climate. Wanting to know, like, we need to make these wrong things right. And so for me, that was almost a given. And then when I began to read the Bible and and engage with a community of faith and the Christian community around me, I realised these two things went hand in hand. That the Jesus that I read about in the Bible was just well it was even more passionate about justice than I am that he came with the with the mission with the goal to bring good news to those who were suffering to bring freedom for those who were captives to bring liberation to make things right and we're talking about you know the Jesus that kicked off and turned over tables when he saw people were being left out we're talking about the guy that saw people hungry so we fed them thousands at a time you know um and so for me, there was a like more of a marrying together of, hang on a minute, I feel this and that makes total sense because that's the example I also see here. Um, so, yeah, for me, it was a coming together of those two things um, that then has, has spurred me on for the long term. From very early age, it hit, like it hit me how there is so much need just locally. Like it doesn't have to be such a big global. Like, yes, obviously we want to have like it those big things matter too but it also is more 
it's more local and you just can't just walk by and not yeah. not want to do get involved and see try to make something right wherever that might be i think yeah. you can i think you can read about jesus and who he was and, and like you say not think that he is yeah. sold out for yeah. for one and yeah. justice like for one yeah. in and like his justice is 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 kind of different to ours in yeah. in a little bit of mm-hmm. a it's not just the moral com- compass as it were like it's a, it's a better way yeah um but yeah i think whenever you see um people or um things happening around you that, that yeah they have that that desire is almost ingrained yeah. in you at the point mm-hmm. of yeah. they can actually if i'm gonna, gonna follow him christian is like a, a follower of christ i'm gonna follow him and i need to to like love the things that he loves and do the things yeah. that he does yeah. um so yeah I, I i love the phrase that you used um when you were talking about community and the role of community um in an in interview you did recently which was like collecting wisdom and yeah. i just loved i loved that will you just unpack that a little bit for us that mm. okay sure sure i guess over the last few years i've been so struck by how well, A, this justice thing, but B, just life in general, um, you know, isn't meant to be done alone. And uh, for me, as a, as a leader in an organisation, um, I've made it my mission over the last few years to get around people who are wise, get around people who are further on in this journey than I am, get around people who are kind and whose example I want to follow in my life. And then just to collect their wisdom, as you say, and um, to ask good questions. You know, if I'm struggling with a problem, who can I ask who might have some wisdom to speak into that? If I want to get involved in something, I don't know where to start. Okay, who might actually have an idea and and actually make it a mission to not not be going it alone, but actually be be learning from, um, be getting around people who I respect, um, who I think, yeah, you know what, I want to learn from you and following your your footsteps. And um, yeah, that's that's a challenge and it's been a big joy and big support for me if I'm honest when it comes back to the persistence thing um, that's a key ingredient I guess as well mm. Mm. I think it's interesting because I've, I've been to churches where um justice is key like it's the main thing on the agenda and then mm. I've been to churches where it, it almost feels a bit neglected and that isn't to like you know out, out any churches or anything like that but the influence of it not just being about me just trying to like pull a heavyweight by myself but like having a group of people that do it with you yeah. and if that if that is what it looks like for us to live out our, our faith we need we need those people around us don't we and it's that it's that quote that, that says um if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together mm-hmm. yeah we, we need each other um this this problem is is too big for one person to solve it mm-hmm. like we just can't do it on our own like, and that's what mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And that's the story of IJM as well, is that we we're, we're, we were founded by one guy 20 years ago. And we're now a global family in 25 nations and, you know, of all ages, stages, walks of life. It's a beautiful picture for me of, of that community thing as well, whether it is the IT guy, the social worker, the undercover investigator, the government advocate, the people like me, you know, not one of us is going it alone and we all need each other. And that's the point, really. Yeah. Um, and what's it yeah. like? What's it like being the leader of, of of trying to grow that kind of community of people around you who are going out and doing stuff? Um, I guess that, that's probably hard than it looks. And as a <laughs> um, somebody who heads up the whole of the, the UK kind of side of things of IJM, I guess that's quite 
difficult, but um, exciting at the same time. Good question. Yeah, I don't lead the whole global organisation, just if my boss is listening. Um, <laughs> I'm not claiming your role. <laughs> no, no, I guess it's a great privilege. Um, it's a great privilege to be able to learn from people all over the place, people who have an amazing life experience inside. Um, yeah, it's a great privilege. It, it, it's hard work. I've, every day is a school day. Um, turns out leadership is the most humbling position ever because um, you realise how often you get it wrong. Um, and yeah, um, I guess, my, yeah, I'm going to say it again, it's a great privilege, great privilege to be part of, of something like this. Mm. Um, and hey, you're all invited to be part two. So check it out and get involved. <laughs> how, how, can, how can people get involved for listening? That's a great question. Um, so, uh, yeah, as I said, I would love to invite you to check out IJBK on social media, um, on our YouTube channel and so on. But if you're, if you're genuinely getting that thing where you're like, you know what, this issue of modern slavery, of, of oppression, this global issue, this might be something I'm interested in. We'd love to invite you to, to sign up to one of IJM's champion training days. And if you look on our website, IJMBK.org, from champions details there um and you can sign up and do a day's training with us and then actually get equipped to be feet on the ground to get involved um to be uh, a voice speaking into this acting um on this issue and actually start making this journey of, of freedom and transformation happen i would love to have you as part of the team so check it out and get involved amazing thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for all that you do as well yeah. um that's it and and um yeah, you, you, you've been inspired, inspired yes. me today. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely. Definitely, we're going to go away and, and do some thinking and, <laughs> and working out what this do all some, looks do like. Do some justice. <laughs> Bless you guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening. And check us out on Instagram at underscore explore faith or on YouTube at explore faith. Or go straight to our website, www.explorefaith.online. And that's when I realised it wasn't chocolate. Mate, what? It's recording. Oh, mate, just press play, just press play. Welcome to Explore the Podcast, where we chat faith, life and adventure.